go gather some kindling so we can burn us at some Starfleet officers. It's need you please. I hate my voyage to the Delta Quadrant. My name is Joseph. I am your miserable, <laughs> miserable co-host. Before we get into what we're going to talk about, which should be obvious, I want to point out to anybody who's listening, by the time this episode is up, our Patreon review of Lower Decks will be available to our lovely subscribers. So if that interests you, please head on over there, flip us a couple dollars, and it can be yours. We appreciate everybody who does subscribe. It allows us to, to defray the costs of putting the show on, which is really all that we're looking for. So that's a thank you to them and an invitation to you to join us. Uh, but with that bit of uh, pleasantry pitching out of the way, Peter, what did we watch this week? <laughs> okay, hold on. To to the listener, I think you 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 can't appreciate the moments that Peter and I have because we've we've gone to actually uh, more reliably doing this via webcam so we can see each other. It helps a lot with you know timing when you can actually see the other person when they want to talk, and the look of despair of this this despondence that was on his on peter's face before i you know right right after i pitched it to him for him to do the intro it, i could taste it through the webcam it was palpable season sucks 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 episode 17 <laughs> spirit folk last yeah. episode when i was leading into what this one was going to be i told a little joke that we were going to have a special contest and and somebody could take my place to record this thing. And I honestly wish that that wasn't a joke and that someone else had to sit through and take notes on this, this miserable fucking affair. Peter, we've been friends for a very long time. We've had a lot of ups and downs, mostly ups, some downs. I must say something here that's going to challenge the very nature of our friendship. It's going to shake it to its core. And you just stick with me on this. I kind of loved it. <laughs> I really did. I kind of loved it, dude. It wasn't, it's not perfect. But I legitimately laughed watching this thing. I I think there is a, a, a serious subversive end canon to this that I, I want to embrace uh, Brian Fuller wrote it, and it's got so much of his like pushing daisies level of sensibility in it. I I really liked it. I'm not fucking with you. I really liked it. Remember those uh, miserable little assholes from Virtuoso, the Comar? Of course. Yeah, you're a Comar. <laughs> <laughs> I want to use another word to describe you right now, but I'm going to go with Comar. Um, <laughs> I I fucking hated this thing. The fact that this became a two episode story arc that got two episodes of Star Trek Voyager worth of garbage is super infuriating. And I'm really this was a hard one, man. Uh, I've got roughly 12 notes, 12 lines of notes. So here's here's the first line. I actually forgot what we were watching until I sat down and I hit play on Netflix. The thing popped up and it was Tom Paris like with his little white inventor outfit on. And I just hit pause to play my game. And all I could say was, God damn it. As I remembered that this was. (laughs) What an unpleasant surprise. Like, oh, fuck. Jesus fucking Christ. I, I don't 
I'm not in the mood for this, and it was worse than my wildest expectations. Tom's driving a, I don't know, some old clunky-ass car. Who knows if it's era-appropriate? And flies through, and he knocks some barrels out, and then he gets uh, jumped by Mr. Jump to Conclusions, Tom Senswicki or whatever, from uh, Office Space, who... I thought you would have loved the fact that he's basically the main. Side you know, character I thought <laughs> I would have loved that too. But the magic, the the spiritual magic of this episode is that it was able to make me fucking hate this guy. <laughs> so he watches Tom fix the tire on the car after it gets smashed, and then he rolls out his jump to conclusions, Matt, and assumes that he just witnessed magic, and thus okay. the entire premise of the episode is born. Let Let me first set up some some key things about the episode one there's there is definitely no b plot there is no space calamity like there was in fairhaven there is nothing going on except the holodeck shit okay that's the entire episode and two stay with me this is an episode about a metagamer seeing a storyteller talk to a player and then taking that information in character that's what that's what jump to conclusions mad guy does all right, I'm trying to I'm trying to draw you in here, Peter. I'm trying to find some parallels. You can you can enjoy this with me. I I can see it's not working. No, not not a one <laughs> not one bit. Um, <laughs> okay, more let's, serious. Let's dig into the nerd. So I hate this a little less. <clears throat> what we watch happen is a a core operating system breakdown in the holodeck, where a holodeck character is able to observe user interaction with the holodeck file system and it's supposed to not dawn on them at all like everybody out there they establish in dialogue that there are filters to prevent holodeck characters from realizing that they are like that people are doing things they shouldn't be doing in the simulation they mentioned going out of character essentially right exactly If, if if crewman joe and peter are on the holodeck and we're talking about fly fishing and everybody's talking about fly fishing with us. And then I go, ah, oh, fuck, you know, I forgot how, you know, we got to go scrub the carbon filters at 0800. They would not recognize it. And if I say computer, what time is it? Or whatever, that should be completely over their heads. Like Westworld, right? I think Westworld does a really good, that doesn't look like anything to me. That's, that's clearly an out of character comment. It's outside the scope of what I'm supposed to do. And I'm just supposed to roll with the punches. If a fucking Talaxian comes walking in, like that's the one funny part of this entire episode is uh, Neelix gets called out and they go on the Neelix who runs the Creighton barrel or whatever it's called. If he doesn't look like a leprechaun, I don't know what does. And it's like, yeah, if some guy comes in, <laughs> someone comes in with six arms, the holodeck character that just looks like a regular old human. Nothing to see here. That doesn't look like anything to me. So this is pretty fucked up. I love the canon of how the holodeck works that you get in this episode, that this is why the simulations work. Like you said, they only perceive the things that are in character. We're going to be using some LARP terminology, I think, by by habit in this episode. If you didn't but, know, Joe and I have a very shameful past in live action role playing. It's why we're both fat now in our old age. It's true. <laughs> it's fat both in body and spirit. Uh, so, you know, this is what you know, the the moments we're bo- born for, right? Cuz we kind of get the in character out of character 
element of this more than maybe the normal viewer would. And so when the holodeck characters are living in the simulation and acting in the simulation, that's when the holodeck characters react. When they step out of character to deal with the real world, they just kind of don't notice. That part is broken. And they explicitly called it out. The filters that are supposed to prevent them from seeing the out of character stuff doesn't work. And because that doesn't work, all of these characters start to rash you know, start to, to contextualize everything that's happening in the fashion in which they're programmed to which is we're victorian age irish people so this is black magic or in the case of michael sullivan he's he's taking a more intellectual route to say there has to be explanations for this that isn't magic even if we don't potentially understand it so i thought that the, the that concept was actually really cool and my favorite scenes were all the holodeck characters like getting together and like talking about all of this stuff and like the, they're having this like this growing sentient revolt right of <laughs> all the sex toys and play things are like wait a second these guys are all fucked up like this isn't cool <laughs> what's going on right turning people uh, into cows and shit that's not that's not cool again yeah there, there's a lot of parallel parallels to what you see in season one and season two of Westworld, where the toys become aware. Whereas Westworld was a fucking amazing story. Um, this is just trash. And that's why I'm going to go ahead and nominate that we call for a while. I was going to say, we need to uh, title this one, the 13th bore, which is a plan 13th floor, but I don't think a lot of people are familiar with that movie. So I'm going to say, we need to call this uh, podcast episode worst world. <laughs> But like, like they're, they're right next to each other. Yeah, I see. I see where you're going with that. And and Did, I want to also. Quickly, I'll, make, I'll make it so just for you. And when I'm th- driving home, and I'm like, oh, worst world, that'd be good. And then it made me think of what was the Herogen Nazi simulator? Oh, uh, the Killing Game. Killing Game. That podcast should have been Worst World, like brought Worst World. Uh. <laughs> I don't know if we can go back and rename episodes, but do you remember? That episode was where Bolana fucked a Nazi. Like that was Got that was part up. of. She had a hollow yeah. baby. Yeah, yeah, hollow baby with a Nazi, actual yeah. Nazi. Bo- no, like, oh yeah, it wasn't actual. It wasn't a, yeah. know, a <laughs> dinosaur Nazi. Yeah, it was not a Herogen Nazi. It was a Nazi Nazi. Well, we convinced all the Herogen that being Nazi was being a Nazi was great. <laughs> to be fair, she's done worse things, namely Tom <laughs> Paris. <laughs> I, I'd, I'd almost argue that guy is a step up emotionally support wise than Tom Paris actually is in real life. So talking about this episode chronologically is probably useless because it there's not a lot of complexity to what goes on. No, what there is, is a lot of time wasting. So the, the cool thing you just talked about there, which is the townsfolk congregating. And OK, so this is Brian Fuller, which is a huge disappointment for me because usually his stories are pretty good, right? If not great. And and for this weak ass shit to roll in with his name attached to it is disappointing. Uh, but, Strongly disagree, but go on. What, okay. Komar, Komar, please. Okay. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I will try to convince you in a little bit that this may have been secretly brilliant, but continue. But uh, where we will normally say this is unintentional, this was not supposed to be cool. This was an accident. I'm going to say that everything that happens in this episode is intentional and a thoughtful addition, even if it sucks, because Brian Fuller is familiar with the subject material and he cares. Okay. 
So one of my questions has always been, you know, what happens to these characters when nobody's around? Is it like Grand Theft Auto or another open box, you know, open world game where when you walk away from the street, like everything behind you just disappears and doesn't exist until you turn back and look at it. And that's how the system manages memory and like resources. So were these holodecks actually there physically occupying space? Are these conversations that's happening in the holodecks um, like in the software, like they're not actively being rendered, but it's like background applications. I don't know. But the end result is that these characters are interacting with themselves, that they've broken their loops. Again, we're going to borrow heavily from Westworld here. They've broken their loops. And it's not just one character that's gone rogue. He's discussing things and everybody is breaking the fourth wall with their behavior here, which is cool. It is cool. I agree. I like the idea that the reason why this is happening is that they are kind of pushing holodeck technology beyond its limits, which is something that we hear from Bolana. Bolana is sort of the voice of reason, I guess you would say. Yes. Like, pull the fucking Uh, plug. (laughs) Um, She's, yes, she's, she's the, what would normally be occupied by Chakotay as far as I think the audience's voice in this. The exact line she says at the end is we push holodeck technology to the brink and then it pushed back. Which is they wanted to continue to have this kind of live simulation running all the time so people can drop in and drop out as a, a distraction from the drudgery of every day of tearing up the Delta Quadrant, shitting all over the place. What that made was a circumstance where these characters do occupy their time interacting, going through the things that they're supposed to do. But this these additional, I guess, what do you call them, radicals in the equation, you know, these these unknowns made it so that eventually things that weren't supposed to break broke because there's there's no book on how this is supposed to work. And so all of them start to get together and kind of talk about the things that they're seeing because now that's running all the time and they have more opportunities to interact with each other and then build off of those interactions within their character profiles, which, it, you know, there are Hollywood movies that they're making. They made like, there's there's two of them out there like uh one of them's like uh free guy or something like that who's uh, the ryan reynolds one and there's like a uh, final boss which is the mel gibson one that i think are play off the exact same trope which is their character npcs in a mmo that you know become sentient and interact with other npcs the story is is definitely one that uh i kind of get why it's attractive to to write and I think the brilliance is just looking at other Fuller's other work. He did Pushing Daisies after this. That was the big TV show he did right before the first writer's strike there in the in the 2000s. And the sense of humor in this episode is very reminiscent of that and the absurdity of the situation, right? Like that you've got come to conclusions guy literally leading an angry mob of holodeck characters to burn Harry Kim and Tom Paris at the stake because they think they're fairy folk. Like it's it's the sort of just absurd, you know, kind of humor that he really likes. And uh, I la- I I genuinely laughed at this thing, man, like unreservedly. So the reason I hate it so much is there should have been an awesome story here. And instead of really reaching for the brass ring and and telling something great, which Westworld would go on to do 20 years later, you get this fucking this clown car zipping around and, and Seamus and Minos and all these other stupid racist ass characters (laughs) 
falling out of. Um, and just a lot of focus on characters that are not the main cast. And normally I applaud this, but these holodeck characters are just so fucking bad. It, it's miserable to watch. And when that first scene where Seamus has everybody at the bar and he's down in shots and he's got everybody listening and they start talking about, oh, I saw him do witchcraft and this and that. And then they go in this long ass story about the law, the lost city of Kilimaro or whatever. And it's like five or six minutes, which is a long time for a, a, a 45 minute TV show. And there's like two or three scenes like this where it's just the holodeck characters with their bullshit dial uh, accents and these awful stories. And it's like, man, it puts it right up there with 1159 as far as stuff. I don't not Star Trek and things I didn't want to see. Now, to your point about we've pushed the limits of holodeck usage and, and technology limitations like I wish they would have said how long exactly the simulation had been running actively because the whole thing about this was that at the end of Fairhaven, Tom said it's going to take us six weeks before we can fix the program and have it up and running. And this is, you know, six episodes later or whatever. They said they had it running constantly for months. We know that things that time isn't linear on the show. So six weeks could have just been one episode's worth of time. You know, that wouldn't have been out of sorts for Voyager. But uh, later, late in the episode, they 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 put it at months that they've hmm. been having it running. To that, I'm still going to challenge that this is the furthest they've pushed the technology. And I say, I bet you Barclay's beaten that record. <laughs> Barclay's also a better hollow programmer. That's also part of the 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 story here is that Tom is the reason why this stuff starts to break down. He's he's. Janeway like kind of <laughs> gets gets fucking mad at him because he's been fucking with the program, like altering things and and trying to improve it. And then he goes around and, you know, one of the gags is Harry goes on a date with Irish McIrish lass and she turns him into a cow <laughs> right as she he's about to, to kiss her. And it, it's he him fucking around at the, at the margins is probably like moving variables around in such a way that is leading to its degradation while really talented hollow programmers barkley um ds9 they, there's a there's a unseen character who's a very talented hollow uh, programmer who makes a self-aware hologram vic fontaine then ends up being actually a supporting character on that show for the last couple seasons um long story you have to see it to understand but it really works um that they're able to do it without breaking it tom's not good enough he breaks it <laughs> I see where you're coming from. My takeaway, though, is that Tom's augmentations were not significant. And again, this is just a situation where a complex, multifaceted program with multiple user inputs had been running too long. And it's it's what Bolana said. It's the holodeck was not made for how we're using it right now. And, you know, just like a computer, right? A current desktop. Every now and then you got to turn it off. You got to clear the RAM. You got to give it a breather because, you know, these operating systems will, will start showing bugs when they've been turned on for too long. I will say that uh, there is a litany of gags I thought were great. And I'm going to try and, and convince you. Uh, I know I'm trying to Sisyphusian uh, task that it is, but I will try. Number one, the idea that Tom has nothing better to do but blow off work and go fuck with his his uh, best friend's uh, date with a, a fake lady. 
Let's talk about that date. <laughs> okay. That's a great gag. That's a great gag. If this doesn't paint Harry into a pathetic corner, more so than so many episodes even before, right? Again, Brian Fuller, and I believe that he understands Voyager and he cares and he knows that replicator rations are hard to come by and a big deal. So when Harry Kim goes to the mess hall replicator and replicates a bouquet of flowers, mm-hmm. when he could have just as easily walked into the holodeck and gotten cheap free holodeck flowers, he got like 24 carat. This could have been a fleshlight. Flowers, this man cares. Right? Absolutely. For his date with, with this hologram, like that's some sad ass shit, dog. <laughs> And he it's, leans, he it's leans in front of the times, my friend. He's stuck on a boat and he wants the wrong with the twin. Delay- <sighs> I don't care if it's the wrong Delaney sister. It's still a Delaney sister. And you're, you're over there chasing holodeck. You, you're right. <laughs> it was cool to see Tom change whatever her name was on the fly, though, into the cow and then be rewarded with this three stooges slapstick of Seamus, like some Scooby-Doo shit where Seamus and his other drunk friend's sideburns are like sneaking around on their tiptoes and his friends, for whatever reason, like holding his jacket. Like, did these two go to prison together? I know in prison, if you turn your pocket inside out and make someone hold your inside out pocket, that denotes it's your prison bitch. (laughs) So what's this other guy's name? It was Seamus and what? Seamus and Milo. So Milo's like Seamus's prison bitch. They did time in the poker <laughs> together, right? I mean, they're they're a duo, certainly. Uh, My, Milo is the, uh, I guess, the more militant one, while Seamus is the, you know, the hopeless drunk. I I really liked the accidentally on purpose the way that Michael Sullivan comes off in the episode, because you see like all the changes that Janeway put up, put on him in um, in in Fairhaven. So we saw that and then, you know, ultimately you kind of see all of that realized and how he responds to what's going on. He's really well read that he's he's, you know, wants to try and like talk this out, that he's like comprehending because his intelligence has been enhanced, that what he is seeing is technology and not magic specifically. Like, I don't understand it, but I understand that it is technology and not it's I can bridge the gap between where this is and where I am, even if I don't know how it is that I'm getting there. I thought that was really cool because we saw like that's something Janeway did to his program before she locked himself out as it gave him like the capacity to be more inquisitive. Like those were the actual things that he she told the computer to give him. And then you kind of like see it work. I don't know if that's Brian Fuller like taking his time with it or if it just happened to to be that. Fintan McCown, you know, figured that on his own and put it in his tour's performance. Maybe a little bit of both. Uh, but I thought it was cool. You are unmoved. <laughs> it's just, just, just staring him right at me like, what the Keep fuck is that wrong boulder, with you? Buddy. Keep pushing that boulder. Um, yeah, you know, so let's jump into the Moriarty, which is always the go-to, and it's somebody from the crew saying give this person increased capacity and having unforeseen consequences in the case of Moriarty it made him into a uh super villain capable of beating uh data, <laughs> data. and in this case it, it results in uh Michael being 
a better person who is more reasonable and not the superstitious dummy that the rest of the village is still composed of. I do. I, I also liked that, like the, you know, the doctor was the person that he was confiding in, like when they were having character to character conversations. And so when he wanted to like, there you was mean the actual holodeck character, not the EMH. Yes. The holo, the, the Fairhaven doctor. Yeah. So the sequence of events is shit starts going wrong. They start figuring things out. Janeway goes for a date with with uh, Michael Sullivan and Michael Sullivan is trying to like get some more information. And that's where you start to see that he's figured things out on his own, separate of everyone else. Like, I don't know who you are. I checked in to where you say you're from. No one's ever heard of you. You know, I don't know where you go when you're not here. You know, some things aren't adding up and I want I want explanations. It's very reasonable. But it's very direct. You know, she looks like she's on the verge of telling him this, the truth, but decides, like, I'm not doing it. And then bails. And then that's when they cut away uh, from the commercial break to her walking with Tom Paris in the hallway. And she's like in her fucking corset, you know, and she's all done up for her her Victorian age date. And she is like super pissed at <laughs> Tom Paris throughout this entire episode that her love life is essentially being fucked with <laughs> by literally fuckboy ensign she demoted earlier on. <laughs> Which is an important admission. And again, Fuller did this, so I'm gonna say it's it's an intentional major plot point is that Janeway straight up says it's her boyfriend. Yeah, I have a two boyfriend Chakotay, who malfunctions. Yeah. Two Chakotay on the bridge with them both in their uniforms. So uh, whatever cognitive dissident gap she had at the end of uh, Fairhaven Part 1, she has crossed that bridge and she is deep in the weeds, which I guess makes Harry look a, a little bit less pathetic, maybe. Um, I mean, we, we said at the time, too, it makes sense for Janeway to do this. Given the circumstances... I mean, we make jokes about her fucking around with Tom, of course, because it's just funny. But like, and Chicote. really, and Chicote because of the monkey. But who is she going to bang? Right. Like she, if she wants to have a romantic relationship okay. with someone, she's got zero other options. So, so is it is it appropriate for the captain to get her rocks off and bang hollow dick? Yeah, sure. You know, it's it's loosey goosey, sexy time future. Is it I don't know if I want to say healthy, but is it it? Is it good for the captain of the ship to enter a emotional relationship with a turn of the century barkeep in yield Ireland? I think if it was any other circumstance, maybe not. But in this, that was the doctor's whole speech, right? Like in Fairhaven, which is the shit is real, you know, to you. And that is real enough, making it also speech from from his perspective as well about holograms and how real they can be. But the point was that he was encouraging her to do it because, you know, what else are you going to do? Fuck aliens that, that wander by? You work have for no Kirk. other <laughs> Work for you. She's got no, I mean, you know, you don't want to violate Starfleet regulations like that. You, the doctor's not there to give hall passes all the time. So, you know, she's she's only got one other thing she can do, which is that create the circumstance that she can get an emotional connection out of. And she has. And the fact that she's just willing to be like, yeah, I have a boyfriend who malfunctions right, right there on the bridge. Everyone knows, right? It's not a secret. Alana, like, indicates it in front in a senior staff meeting yeah my boyfriend's in there and your boyfriend's in there but uh yours can be reprogrammed and mine should be reprogrammed 
<laughs> that, that should have been what she said. It's like, actually, you know what? I think I like yours more. So if you want to just let Tom die, that would be fine. <laughs> like, he's much more nurturing. He's he cares more about you as a person. You know, certainly more willing to change. So things progress. They pull they pull Michael Sullivan out, and he's aware that he's pulled out. And then that's when he like gets the real hint that there's bad shit happening because he remembers the whole experience and like fakes that there's nothing wrong to be put back in the program, which is an interesting choice. Okay, so they they reuse the holographic lab, which we saw in the last Fairhaven. I thought it's cool to see that set piece come back. They pull up Michael Sullivan to examine his code. He wakes up from the freeze state and starts wigging out and they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. And they're like, "Okay, we see the problem. Let's try and fix it. And then Michael Sullivan's like plays dumb, basically. And oh, hey, and acts like it's, you know, no big deal. Everything's back to the way it was supposed to be. And they're like, yay, we did it. They pat themselves on their back and they zip them back off into the projection. I think this is a strong hint, again, along the Moriarty line that he is way smarter than he should be to the point where he could be supervillain status. But instead, he's using that intelligence to play dumb and successfully escape Harry and Tom. And it makes me wonder if the decision was made, because, again, I think there's you could have told this again. the, the, The story here is that holodeck characters wake up and to a certain extent begin to realize that they are the playthings of another culture right and you could have told this in many ways again the best being uh, the way it's told in westworld but i wonder if they did it as a silly slapstick comedy rendition because they were afraid that well if we have another rogue holodeck characters become self-aware it's going to be too much Moriarty. And we already told that I mean, story yeah. in Next Gen, and they were afraid <laughs> for the first time ever to retread an old TNG story. I th- I do think you're right that part of the reason why it's played for laughs rather than played serious is they don't want it to seem too much like Moriarty. And if you do it this way as this kind of group psychosis and group of characters, you have a different spin on it. You have a different look on it. And instead of your main holodeck character being the antagonist, your main holodeck character is actually your protagonist, mm-hmm. who's who's the good guy who ultimately solves the problem. Again, kind of gives you a different look at the at the concept. Um, so, yeah, I, it's also that, you know, this is network TV. They're, they've tried really hard to keep this the show as approachable as possible. So, you know, you just, you have this, you play it for fun and, and um, you let it ride. It bears mentioning as always that this is all purely your conjecture and my, my conjecture because memory alpha is completely fucking worthless. There's no good uh, behind the scenes info to be brought in on this. So who knows what the truth is? I would say another reason that this was played for laughs instead of, a serious story because ultimately the holodeck characters can only be so upset before you really start turning Starfleet into shit, right? Going to Westworld and the hosts are being literally raped and murdered. And in some cases murdered then raped. And it exposes the, the monstrous nature of humanity here. Tom turns a girl into a cow before she kisses Harry and there's some weather control 
and a girl gets pulled out of a well and that's it's mischievous all in good fun very pg starfleet shit which is what you know starfleet needs to be if it's them realizing that they're being murdered and slaughtered. if it were the fucking cardassians becoming aware in balana's murder cave <laughs> that's why you don't leave that one running 24 7 what if that one had the open door policy it's like okay we've had a lot of stress okay we've had a lot of problems here you know we've been running into board cubes and very irritating small people so we found this old program balana's given her uh, her permission 24 7 you go in grab a bat list you murder as many cardassians as you want go back to work right you, you need to bang a couple of them while you're in there yeah, you go for it. And Murder the than be- rape, right? Like that's and sometimes that's the way it works. To the best of our knowledge, to the best of our knowledge, we no longer have any Cardassian crew members on board. So <laughs> it's not racist. Obsidian Order here. agents aside, uh, you know, it shouldn't really be too offensive to anybody. We all hate Cardassians, especially the Maquis. You guys hate Cardassians. This is going to be a big oh, hit. Man. Dolby star- would go in there and it would just like, he'd break it. He'd have the high score, right? Like... <laughs> All the, that's what would happen is all of the all of the Cardassians who keep getting murdered would get together and they'd like speak of him as some sort of like specter. I <laughs> am legend. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, the doll becomes his blade stings. But you know, you should have a bunch of good people in Starfleet, and the Maquis obviously are murdering terrorists. They're not the focus here, and they've also been whitewashed over the past six, six seasons. Yeah. But yeah, you you can't have that Westworld deep storytelling, you know, you've been exploiting us and offending us to the same shades that um, the Herogen worst world (laughs) was where they victimized Starfleet in this holographic simulation. Because, yeah, if if their complaints are like rape, pillage and murder, that's going to make everybody look like Janeway did in Tuvix. And you can't have that, clearly. Didn't Worf have a whole calisthenics program that was him constantly murdering different types of aliens? I mean, it was Skeletor and the Wolfman, so... <laughs> it's true. I guess any Star Trek episode that happens in the 1980s, I'll automatically have to deduct certain amount of points from. Just like, don't worry about it. I didn't know what they were doing yet. <laughs> like, Or did they? <laughs> if I could fucking punch Skeletor with a spiked mace fist or whatever he had in that one... Uh, I would. I think Worf probably has some of the all-time best holodeck uh, experiences we've seen, including that one from the Triple X porn parody. That was a, that was a good dojo. That was. Him and Rolaire. Mm. 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 Acrobatic is how I would describe that. <laughs> you know, it, it's also good that they didn't have the uh, the Polynesian Resort actually um, go sentient. Could you imagine all of them like? Oh, the, hol- the Harry's volleyball team suddenly becoming aware of their circumstances. <laughs> like, I, if I could pick any um, Voyager era holodeck program to tell the story in, I would have picked Coworker Murder Simulator Worst Case Scenario, and I think that it would have been really fun to watch the snapshots everyone was captured in become self-aware and outraged that they had been turned into a, a first person shooter video game. <laughs> it's or, sure an adventure style murder game. But I mean, really like, like, you know, this, this is how you see us, you know, this is, 
the entire crew indulging and killing their own fellow crewmen. Like, I think there'd be a really good outrage story to tell there that would have well, done. And this is this is the dark side of the holodeck stuff that again like voyager just can't go there trek in general really can't go there it's just hard for a show that's trying to be as mainstream as possible to indulge themselves in the storyline of like what happens when these playthings get a spark of machine intelligence and you know the the start of sentience you know like what are the moral consequences of that well, what happens is you end up with really fucking awesome episodes like the Moriarty episodes that stand the test of time and are constantly quoted and pointed to as greatness. I wonder if Brian Fuller had an early revision of the script where it was a, a much darker and more angsty story and Rick Berman or someone else was like, no, dude, throw clown shoes on it and you can do it. Otherwise, this is too dark for us to to play on UPN. The episodes, I guess climax comes when they know they've got a problem in the holodeck harry and tom think they can just go and fix it using the holodeck controls the inevitable oops the holodeck safeties don't work moment happens because we which, shot it with a shotgun yes <laughs> and uh as a consequence they get captured uh by in a, a, in a red net that's all it takes to thwart the smartest boy on the ship and prison bad badass sh- shank captain the- these two managed to survive for days in the worst alien prison we have ever seen that had constant neck splitting, you know, prison Jesuses with their with their shanks and their space kung fu. And they get immediately flummoxed by elderly, overweight men with nets. Wow, that just made this episode even fucking worse. <laughs> Thank you for that, Joe. <laughs> Thank, I, thank I, you for that realization. I love that jump to conclusions. Matt guy like gives the stirring speech to convince everyone to run to the pub and murder Harry and Tom. He's like these super into it too. Like the actor really tried. He really tried to go whole on as he's doing his terrible Irish accent, his best Irish revolutionary. Like we must go and let's fight for our town. <laughs> and they come sneaking in on their tiptoes again. Real Scooby Doo. They catch him. <laughs> Tom and Harry don't have com badges on for some fucking reason. You know they're in their full costume. They don't have. And, and again, you've got a, a pretty close to rogue holodeck situation going on here. Like the safeties haven't been disengaged yet, but the concept that they're going to go in under the cloak of night. I do like that they were able to figure out that um, Michael had pulled the wool over their eyes and was faking. Yeah, they, before which, they went in there, they knew he was faking. And, and that they're going to reprogram everybody, which, and again, you know, Fuller does a lot of good writer stuff. It's just a bad story. I like that the decision to try and batch reprogram everybody instead of going character by character, which would be the right way, but the hard way, it's kind of Harry and Tom half-assing it and cutting corners, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, bites him in the ass. I like it. So they get caught in a fucking net. Like it's Scooby Doo and dragged off and pinned down. <laughs> they even have the goofy music. It's that Irish music, like that comes in and out of which every they won scene. an award for, <laughs> and an Emmy. They got an Emmy for this. This is an Emmy award. No, I'm sorry, Emmy nominated episode of Voyager. Awful, <laughs> awful. It's secretly great. You're no, just it's not here. secretly great. You're just uh, very clearly a Comar. Um, <laughs> 
So they go and they decide, all right, fuck, we've got uh, the triumphant return of the danger room now, right? And to Voyager's credit, it has been legit a long time since the uh, holodeck, a.k.a. danger room, has posed a legitimate threat to the health and safety of the crew. I need to I need to get the like X Men cartoon openers going like when we, when the danger room starts mm-hmm. happening. They decide they're gonna send the doctor in, but they don't want whatever glitches might be going on in this dirty ass holodeck. Which how much cum is on the floor? You know, it's a joke we always make, but but that's very poignant here because they don't turn this thing off, so nobody's cleaning it. They're gonna send the doctor in, but he's gonna be on his own independent hollow matrix. They're gonna send him in with the emitter. And he is not going to be under the auspice of whatever is the hollow grid in there has. So they send him in and uh, there's suspicion that he's dirty to it. He's spirit folk. So he ends up getting trapped and tied down. And now that I'm thinking of it, like, couldn't have he had just stood up and walked well, through the rope? He has to, like, press whatever he's going to press, I think, on the mobile emitter to become incorporeal. I don't know. Mm, No, because he went into a fucking firefight with hillbillies out in the Arizona desert in Future's End. Oh, yeah. And that was before they uh, really knew what they were doing with the mobile emitter. Don't give me that shit, Joe. Dude, he's gotten been felled by a book before. I mean, by a pad. Like, literally, he's had it knocked off his arm by a pad. You can hit the emitter. Sure. That piece of rope was not tied around the emitter like a dog leash. He could. But it was st- also it was also photonic though, and so was he. So that could actually don't have give me this, sh- Joe. You're stretching so fucking far right now. <laughs> I might as be- well be Stretch Armstrong. Like, are you made out of slime? This is some bullshit. You're stretching further right now to make this work than fucking scrambled porn titties getting stretched across the screen when I was thirteen. That's pretty stretched. Yeah, it's very. Well, that's that's exactly what. So um, <laughs> they pull his emitter off. It forces him to render under the holodeck and it puts him under the warped house rules. To borrow there it is. You see, inch by inch, you're giving this episode some credit. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. I'm just dumbing it down so you understand. You can follow along. Um, so now now he has to play by the silly rules in the holodeck and uh, Seamus has been waving around this spell book given to him by God knows who. And, you know, they're trying to like put salt on these guys and all these other goofy housewife magic things, which have been conveniently nonviolent so far. But now the doctor's a hollow character in the program and he's going to have to play by these warped house rules. So when they start waving a spoon in front of his face to hypnotize him, it actually works, and he starts talking about Voyager and all this other out-of-character stuff, which had not really been disclosed to the holodeck characters openly yet. Fortunately for them, Michael uh, Sullivan is enlightened enough to stop anything kind of violent from happening and interrogates the Doctor enough to understand, oh, so they're, you're from another place, you're from some kind of ship, and there's a way there. And ultimately is able to drill down to how do I get there and finds out if he puts on the mobile emitter, that is how he can get there. Now, so before he moves on to his fantastic voyage, we get what might be the worst staff meeting of all time, short of, hey, let's hook up with the board. 
The danger room's back. Tom and Harry have been taken captive along with, well, they don't know about the doctor. The, the yet. doctor's not there yet. This is before they send the doctor in. Doctor's going in his plan A. Have been captured by a bunch of rogue holodeck characters and the safeties are off. Of course, a transporter won't work because of rogue photonic activity, which that's a great reason why the transporter can't work. Normally, it's great. a real it's a reason. reason. <laughs> you know what? That's all I needed. Thanks. Thanks, Fuller. Check that box real good. And uh, this thing won't work and that thing won't work and this thing won't work and that thing won't work. And the Balana says, well, let's just turn the goddamn thing off. Oh, <gasps> no, we might damage the program. And it's like, Janeway, you've said some real stupid stuff before. But man, if this doesn't, this is right up there with let's let the Borg live. Neelix offers the first protest to say that would essentially delete the program. And that's where Bolana lets the real talk out, which is, yeah, so, you know, Captain, your boyfriend can be reprogrammed. Mine cannot. So let's let's be real here. There's real lives at stake versus not real ones. And the what I thought was just kind of cold is the doctor is right there. <laughs> like while he's like, yeah, fuck them. Fuck those holograms. They don't fucking count. <laughs> Get my fucking boyfriend out of there. And my boyfriend and my best friend. Get them the fuck out of there, please. Is, I, is Harry would, her best friend? Harry was her, first, her best Starfleet friend. Probably Chakotay's her best friend, but like definitely her best Starfleet friend. I mean, certainly Tom Paris isn't her best friend. And he's Starfleet. Yeah, I would say Harry could, could Bilana, probably be. Bilana and Harry should definitely have been the couple. They should have. You know, I, I, still I will give Garrett that. Wang uh, or Wong credit in, in all of his Delta Flyer rants. Like, it does really seem like those two should have been the couple. And his pairing with her pairing with Paris is is awkward. And I have to assume it was politically motivated somehow. The head scratcher here, the the person that I'm like, what the fuck? is Tuvok. How is he putting up with this shit? He's, he does offers no resistance to anything. He's just him and seven of nine are barely in the fucking thing. Chakotay too. They're like, have some filler dialogue and that is it. Like where is real talk Tuvok when you need him? Where's seven of nine? Where's anybody with any common sense that you're going to engage in this risky ass shit instead of just turning it off? Like, Janeway is compromised hard in this and unfit for command for like the 14th time. I, I can't accept it, whatever. So they send the doctor in. He gets captured. He gets hypnotized. Uh, Michael gets his hollow emitter and beams directly onto the bridge. And this is where Michael Sullivan becomes the most rational creature ever to exist. Because he gets beamed onto the ship and he's a little freaked out at first. And he's like, oh, I've had a cousin who went to America. He saw some things. He went to Texas. Everyone had cowboy boots. It was awful. Uh, but, you know, this is wild. And then Janeway's just like, all right, well, we're just going to tell you the fucking truth. I am Captain Janeway. This is Starship Voyager. Let's go fucking take a walk. I'm going to show you some. some we'll do the Picard first windows. contact walk. Look, yeah. there's your planet down there. Money doesn't exist anymore until Picard. And there's no resistance from Michael Sullivan. He's like, oh, OK, I buy it. You're all uh, you're sort of traveling through time to visit us. OK, I don't need to understand the details. All the people I know, they visit. Oh, OK, I get it. You guys like visit from this place to our place. That's fine. I'm down. You remember the episode where uh, I always forget the name of it, but it's the one where that's the duck blind episode of TNG 
you know, where the, the they're, they're the proto Vulcans, the Bronze Age Vulcans with the one yeah. with Ray Wise plays one Love of them. Ray Wise. And he, uh, you know, he thinks that uh, the Federate, the Picard's a god and all this other stuff, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, at the end, Picard, to try and solve the problem, takes the leader of the village to the ship. And even she's like, you're gods, please help us. And then it doesn't until like much deeper into the conversation where she's like, oh, I get it. I did the thing that everyone else is doing. And this is why you this is why you're not showing yourself, because this is what everyone would do. And it's like it it's it's it, it takes a while for her to get there. And the only reason she does is that their their race is Vulcan like, right? Like they're very logical. They're very intelligent. And so she's able to get there eventually. But it takes work. Not Michael Sullivan. Michael Sullivan's like, cool. You're space people. It's fine. Thank God you programmed me to be super inquisitive. So <laughs> <if you're... laughs> it's fine. I was too checked out to uh, pay attention, but by the end of this, do, does he not know that he's actually a holodeck character? And he thinks no, they that they don't know that they're holodeck characters. They think that Voyager are time travelers. That's that that is the inference that Vo- that that Janeway puts down in their conversation. He makes comparison to H.G. Wells, the time machine, and he's like, "Oh, so you're telling me you travel through time to visit us?" And he's like, "She's like, yeah." In a manner of speaking, that is what we do. And then that's she's just like, cool, you're time travelers. And he, she's like, yeah, that's what we are. So they you're tell totally... them the truth, but they're still lying to them. Correct. They don't know that they're holograms. They avoid saying that they're fake. Instead, they think they're from a different time, which they are, technically speaking, and that they're coming back in time to visit them. Which I thought that was an interesting way to solve the problem, except they spend no time selling the lie or dealing with the fact that they are lying. She just lies. He buys it and then just move on from there. And then you have Paris <laughs> skipping through the streets with sideburns, prison bitch Morris or whatever his name is. Yeah. Like the episode wraps with everyone going for one last round at the bar before they fix the program again. And they're all like, Oh, you're from space. You're from the moon. This is neat. Like we're all, we're all happy again. We're, we're po- totally accepting of, of the fact you're all from future space. And and uh you know disney irish disneyland continues on uh without without a hitch yeah this is the worst episode since false prophets come on no you come on this 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 was infuriatingly bad there was such great potential in false prophets and they turned it into a fucking clown show and this was the exact same thing like there's a lot of love and care that went into this and it was all towards a bad goal. This is, this is the worst world. Okay. I'm I'm just going to start rolling some things back here. All right. All right. Virtuoso. Uh, yeah. <laughs> virtuoso. I mean, I'm, I'm virtuoso the, the... could not have been good. There is no good way to make that in a plot. Barge of the dead. Oh, CGI goes to hell. Could have been okay if it was not sixth season. Eleven fifty nine. Not bad TV. Just not someone to watch over me. Uh, that was the My Fair Lady episode. Correct. A lot of screen time for Jerry Ryan, and parts of me really enjoy that. So <laughs> again, points off on this one for no Jerry the, Ryan. The fight. Established very important lore about Chakotay's love of boxing, which becomes <laughs> relevant in the Rock episode. Drone. 
you know, hey, tactical <laughs> spheres, really cool. And uh, you are the one that are, is reaching now. This is not the worst episode since False Prophets. This is the worst this... episode since this is the worst story since worst up. You know, all those other were, were conceptually okay minus virtuoso, like you could see. And this one conceptually this could have been a fucking badass episode and whether it's because they didn't want to make the holograms revolt against rape and pillage because starfleet doesn't do that they didn't want to make the hologram seem evil because they already had that episode with moriarty like i don't know why this was such a slapstick silly lighthearted episode for what could have been westworld level um drama and and a real introspection of We've admitted that the doctors people and we've to a certain degree admitted that these people are 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 people. These holodeck characters are people. Should we be treating them the way we are as gods? You know, none of that stuff gets addressed and you take a great concept and you squander it and then you dogpile it under all this fucking bad humor, which. And again, it came from Fueler. All the pieces are there for this to have been awesome. And it was it was just miserable to sit through instead. I, I admit that at this point, I'm not going to convince you that it was secretly maybe much better than you thought. However, I am going to defend the episode to say, and even you you said it yourself, I think there's a lot conceptually that works here that's interesting. I think you mentioned multiple times, like the care Brian Fuller puts into his scripts. There's con- bits of continuity, bits of character development that are actually really good. I I thought the, the fact that the actor who played Michael Sullivan carried through some of the shit from from the original the original episode in his performance was was neat um and while i think the ending was a little slapdash and a little easy uh that's kind of where i fault it where when they kind of get to the climax they they have parts of it that they phone in and instead when they spent all this time in detail like having the characters talking to each other and all this other stuff there there is a core of a really cool episode here parts of it are very funny and I went in expecting to hate it and I maybe my incredibly low expectations being surpassed is making me very generous about it, but I laughed. I enjoyed watching this and I think you're down on it because you just hate the premise of the Irish Disneyland so much that it just degrades the whole experience for you at the jump and you just can't give it a chance because it's so ludicrous. I, I hate it because I saw the episode that could have been here and this is what we got and said, I like the Michael character and it's a shame that, you know, again, you, you've got what could have been a decent reoccurring character and th- I'm assuming this is the last time we ever see him. Yeah, it, it, I think like if they had, you know, I, I imagine because he's a guest star that's native to Ireland, having him as a constant guest, as a constant recurring character probably wasn't on the cards, but, you know, the... I would have liked a situation where instead of remember, like they did the abortive, like Leonardo da Vinci thing mm-hmm. <laughs> where like she would go and consult with John Reese Davies yes. every once in a while. Like what if she, like we saw the scenes where her, she's in just in her Starfleet uniform now. Right. Like, cause mm-hmm. the secret's out. She goes and talks to him and just like talks about like difficult yes. situations and Give like, like it. you, like you would with a boyfriend, Give like, right. Cause you would with your, like you, friend. like you would have with, with, Leonardo da Vinci you know she's turned to holodeck characters in the past before as friends and confidants it works fine for me I would have loved to see that I 
if they had picked an actor who was more accessible for, you know, reoccurring work with Voyager and you could have had the Michael character playing in the Leonardo da Vinci lab with her or in Captain Proton scenes or whatever. Cool. It, it, yeah, it would make if he's self aware like, now. Yeah, it would have made junk shit like this pay off to a better uh, end. But, you know, it doesn't. So that's takes away and again what, I what about it. a world where uh, i mean just to expand on this thought because like now my mind is racing right like what if a world where she becomes a recurring character and like she takes him on other holodeck adventures and like like you said captain proton they go to the polynesian resort they go to the fucking sandrines or whatever and then like they have a, a situation where like an easy talking irish bartender would suddenly be like hacks and like, like we gotta send him on an away mission. Yeah, <laughs> so they slap the mobile emitter on him, and he's like, he's like larping his way through a situation, and he's like, he becomes like a real like member of the crew. It's it's the next time the Kazon take things over, he's in there snapping necks along with the doctor, like throwing chairs at people, and and pulls that, out a that... Webley from the fucking behind the bar and starts blowing away Borg shot after shot. Whatever he we we know he punches hard enough that it transcends the safety protocols and sends people to sick bay. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> he could have done cool stuff with this, but they don't and and fuck it for trying. <laughs> <laughs> um and again, I I hate it for how stupid the crew is to endanger Tom and Harry and refuse to turn the fucking power off to save the day. Uh, our thesis from Vidra Police encapsulated in one quote it's bad and fuck it for trying <laughs> god bless you sir yeah. <laughs> that'll be the that'll be the last uh the last line spoken on the last episode of Viger, please but before we get to the last line episodes on the last episode of Viger, please we have many other episodes of voyager to review starting with what What's going to dig us out of the hole of spirit folk season six, episode 18 ashes to ashes. And I see Janeway and Tuvok looking over their shoulders. Crewman Lindsay Ballard, who died on an away mission and was given a traditional burial in space three years earlier resurfaces. That sounds dope. I'm really going to have to reassess. Like, I don't remember liking this. I remember this episode very clearly. I know I know what we're in for. And maybe this is one that I'll appreciate more on a rewatch. You know, like it, it the premise is interesting. I think I just really hated the guest star and that could be continued to be the case. We'll see. So she my prediction on this is this is going to be similar to that next gen episode where was it called Invisible Friend, where the girl has a an invisible friend that suddenly starts taking form and it's a malevolent alien entity posing as uh as this girl's friend to learn about humanity so i think this is going to be an alien doppelganger do you want me to tell you no i don't i want to see the fucking episode (laughs) (laughs) bad enough i got netflix spoiling this stuff for me up front i don't need you to um we'll see what happens all right well thank you very much for listening to video please hate voice of the delta quadrant uh, I think Spirit Focus Dope, and you should totally watch it. And I'm gonna end yeah, this you just said you're dope. 